Amen. Let me just quickly welcome, uh, if you're a guest to Antioch tonight and you're not from the Maryland, D.C. district, you're just visiting, we're glad to have you in service with us tonight. Those of you that, again, are with us a part of the Maryland, D.C. district, it is our privilege to be able to host this weekend and have you with us. And if we can do anything to help your time here be any better, please let us know and we would love to do that. If you're joining us online tonight, wherever you are, we welcome you as a part of this service. And uh, on behalf of Antioch, um, we give honor to our bishop and Mother Wright tonight. And they have been overseas for a little over a week. And so most of you church folks, first time to see them in a little bit. And so they're... Uh, they were our bishop before they were your superintendent, and they'll be our bishop when they're done being your superintendent. So we'll share them with you for a little while, but Amen. praise God. We are so honored tonight. If you're not standing and you're able to do so, if you would stand, we're honored tonight and the remainder of this week to have brother and sister Joe Strand with us um, years ago and. January of 93, according to our resident historian to my right over here, January of 93, they came to the Maryland, D.C. district, did a uh, marriage seminar. I had been married for, I think, a little under a year at that point, if it was January. And um, a great blessing. We've been privileged to have them at Antioch a couple of times for marriage seminars. But I am excited that we're able to have them for this event. And I, I just believe that in the next couple of days, God is going to do some great things in our lives. And God knows exactly where we are, where you are, what you have need of. And I am confident that His Spirit is going to minister the next several days here. So without taking any more time, I'm going to turn this over, service over to Brother and Sister Joe Strand to do whatever they feel led of the Lord to do here tonight. Would you welcome them one more time? Let's do that for the Lord. The Lord deserves our praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. And thank you, Lord, for your many blessings to us. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. Praise the name of the Lord. You may be seated. It is... Um, a privilege of ours to be at Antioch, and we uh, remember those days a few days ago, coming uh, to Antioch in, in the 90s, and in those days we didn't believe that we would ever even see the year 2000 probably, and much less 2015. We probably did not <laughs> anticipate in any way that uh, there would be uh, some of the changes that we've seen in our world and society and in America. And so we are, are living in a, in a tremendously um, uh, changing world. And, and I guess uh, if you went to Bible school, I'm, I'm thankful because you have all the answers. If you've sat under Bishop Wright, you probably have all the answers and know what questions to ask. <laughs> and so then with a fine district and the leadership that you've had over the years, Brother Libby and Brother Wright, and then, of course, your pastor and his wife, Brother David and, and Sister Angie, I know this church has been blessed with the best of teaching in this area with uh, the impact of the Word of God. And there is not uh, too many areas or, or preachers that have um, impacted not only the United Pentecostal Church in their own area, but around the world as, as some of the leadership here and uh, in this church locally and then in this district. So it is with no... Uh, 
small sense of trepidation that I think, okay, well, what can I bring to uh, this such a, a, a wonderful group of learned scholars? So uh, it's just kind of me and us. And uh, so we're going to have fun anyway. If we don't learn a whole lot, we'll just have fun, enjoy the presence of the Lord, if that's all right. Hallelujah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we'll uh, try to limit what we uh, kind of uh, say about each other. I, I was reading a verse, a few verses in uh, Genesis, the 18th chapter. It's where uh, Abraham and, and uh, the angels come to Abraham and Sarah and they tell them they're going to have a child. And the Bible says that Sarah <clears throat> laughed and she said, um, Lord, I'm too, way too old. And then she added to that, and my husband also, he's <laughs> kind of old too. <clears throat> and uh, the angels appear to Abraham and they said... Uh, uh, your wife laughed, and uh, uh, and she of course threw up her hands immediately and said, "I laugh not." And uh, <clears throat> it's interesting because if you read it very carefully, the Lord tells Abram, says, "Oh yeah, she laughed. She said that she was too old, and she she didn't know if you know if that was possible." But the interesting thing was the Lord left out the part where she laughed at Abraham. <laughs> and that's nice, you know, sometimes <clears throat> sometimes if we knew everything that someone said or thought, <clears throat> you know, it may cause problems a little bit later. And so the Lord was very kind, and, and he left out that part that she laughed at Abram, too. So <clears throat> I know I, I shouldn't have a feeling like I kind of have, but the hum, human part of me, I mean, I've read that story about Abraham and Sarah and how that, you know, she, the Lord did not sort of jerk the covers off of her and expose everything that she had said. And yet there's a part of me that would like, has probably said, I wish I could be a fly on the wall. I'd like to know what they really said. You know, when they got alone, nobody was listening. And I know some of you in here probably would tell me, uh, Pastor, they can listen regardless of where you are. Don't break my bubble on that. I'm, it's scary enough thinking that you've been monitoring my emails and phone calls. If, you par if you're part of the intelligence community and you know that they can hear me everywhere I go and read my mind, don't tell me that yet. I just am not ready for that that uh, depth of technology. But I, I wonder if you've ever felt like that. I, I wonder what they really think about me. Now, I know the, the rights have been very kind, and Brother Libby and others, and I, I don't fear that maybe they're talking about me, but they may be, I don't know. I, the more I think about it, you were quiet tonight, Pastor David, a few times. I got off the plane and I would say a few things and you didn't just immediately respond. And I'm wondering what was going on in that mind at that moment. And I, I, I wonder if maybe you've never had that feeling. I wonder what he really thinks or I wonder what they really say or I wonder what they've really talked about. Maybe you're, you know, a champion of self-confidence and <clears throat> you just bravely go no matter what. <clears throat> but I, 
I think some of us have, have just wondered, you know, I just, if I could just kind of know, it would just, and it may not be good. That's the problem. It kind of may be like Abraham and Sarah. I may not, you know, the Lord may be being gracious to me by not letting me hear. And there are some verses that talk about sometimes it's best not to know everything that people think or say. But there's an interesting story in the Bible, and it's not in the New Testament. I know the New Testament is spiritual and the Holy Ghost and grace and all of that. But there's an interesting story about what God says behind your back. And I want to just take a few minutes, and I know uh, my wife's going to sing, and I'm, we're just going to worship here in a little bit, and I'm honored to be here. But I really want to look in the Word of the Lord because there's a great story in the Word of the Lord about what God says behind your back. It's one of those stories that you, you really kind of sort of, at least for me, I've, I've overlooked many times because I really didn't embrace it probably like I should have. It, it's found in the Old Testament. It's not in the New Testament. It's found in the Old Testament. And, and it's actually found in the book of Numbers and toward the end of the book of Numbers, actually. It's a story that, that is sort of, uh, if you pick the timeline of the story, you will find that, that the children of Israel have been wandering in the wilderness for some 37, 38 years or so, and they have kind of wandered around, and they are at the point of, of sort of collecting together to move toward the promised land. It's sort of the last push, if you will. In fact, Numbers, the I think it's the 20th chapter, talks about how Miriam dies and Moses sins and sort of secures that sense that he's not going into the promised land. And, and a few things begin to happen. And, and in fact, Numbers, the 21st chapter, tells about the first military campaign that the children of Israel sort of sort of engage in uh, as a precursor to going in to fighting uh, and conquering the cities and across uh, uh, the Jordan River and conquering the Canaanites. It's sort of their first victory and there's a uh, <clears throat> there's a, a real sense that they have won this this battle and then there's the story uh, that later in that same chapter that the serpents come out and bite them and they put the snake on the pole and and so we're at the end sort of of what's going on and then as if by a miraculous sort of unveiling the Lord allows Moses to write a story about something that was happening without the children of Israel's knowledge. They were not, they weren't actively engaged. It doesn't directly impact them, but it's a story that takes place and it starts in Numbers, the 22nd chapter, and, and you, the 23rd and 24th chapters of Numbers uh, actually are what you would call the seven oracles of Balaam or the seven oracles of God to Balaam. And it's a story about a prophet by the name of Balaam. And Balaam was, of course, not a, a necessarily a God prophet, but the Bible is, is fairly clear in that it says that, that the Lord spoke to Balaam, and what happens is a king by the name of Balak, who is the king of the Moabites, without Israel's knowledge, without Israel's understanding, without Israel's insight, this king Balak comes to Balaam and says, sends messengers to him and says, I want you to curse Israel. And now Balaam, of course, hears from the Lord and says, the Lord tells him, you cannot curse Israel. And so Balaam responds by saying, I can't do what you're asking me to do. And then he adds this nice little caveat that's kind of fun. It's, it's uh, <clears throat> you know, it's one of those kind of statements that when you make it, you know, you know what you're asking. He says, even if 
Balak would offer me a house of gold or silver, I couldn't curse Israel. But <laughs> I might try. <laughs> kind of a, you know, kind of a little, uh, you know, even if. Uh, I will, I would never, never, but you know, I would never divulge a confidence, uh, unless you ask me twice, uh, <laughs> you know, anyway, and so here's this, so they, the next messengers come to Balak and they say, actually they say, you know, whatever it is that you want, we'll, we'll, Balaam is ready, I mean, Balak is ready to give it to you, and so the Lord then allows him to go and then is the fun story, and probably all the children can remember this story because it happens in the in end of sort of the middle of the end of the 22nd chapter of Numbers. It's that the most one of the most fun stories in the Old Testament in that Balaam is riding his donkey down to go to curse the children of Israel, and, and all of a sudden the donkey just bolts and runs toward the field. And Balaam, you know, is smacking his donkey and whipping him and telling him, get back on the road, and, and he does. And then all of a sudden, uh, the donkey falls into the wall and crushes his foot, and, and, and Balaam is mad, and he's hitting the donkey, and then, then finally the donkey just falls down in the road. And Balaam is just, I, if I had a sword, I'd kill this donkey. That's not what I said, it's what Balaam said. And and the donkey says, why do you want to kill me? I, I mean, <laughs> haven't you seen this angel with this sword standing in the road? I've been protecting your hide. And, and now immediately that ought to be enough right there that Balaam said, wow, a talking donkey. Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey, beware. We are starting our first circus. I mean, I've got a major attraction. You talk about a house full of gold or silver. I mean, that sky's the limit with a talking donkey. <clears throat> but it doesn't end there, unfortunately. You know, and that's where you know that Balaam is just way off the beam because he talks back to the donkey. That's a little suspicious. <laughs> you know, it's like kicking the tires of your car and all of a sudden it would start talking to you. <laughs> you, you know, you really <laughs> need to bring the car in. <laughs> I mean, that's a very important car. <laughs> Somehow the government let that car out. <laughs> Anyway, well, let, let me read it to you. So, so what happens is, of course, Israel doesn't know or the children of Israel don't know that this is going on. They are oblivious to this. They have encamped. They are getting up in the morning, gathering manna, doing, you know, washing their pots and pans, whatever they're doing, going about their daily life. And all of a sudden... What we find in Numbers 23 and 24 is that Balaam is trying to curse Israel. Here they are within months of crossing the Jordan River. Here they are at sort of the apex of their journeys that have been out of disobedience that now they are ready to inherit the promised land. Here they are just about ready to go across into victory and the enemy has been talking about them and they didn't even know it. And the enemy has been strategizing how they can curse them to stop them 
from getting their victory that was just ahead of them. Even though the Old Testament is not spiritual, it's amazing how that same truth rings true today. It seems like the enemy knows what hour we're living in. According to the word, he realizes his time is short. He recognizes where we are on the cusp of revival. And he is doing his all-out best to try to discourage and destroy and to stop the revival and the move of God and the blessings of God. He's doing everything he can in behind our back. But I want you to know that I don't care what the enemy strategizes. I don't care what all of the spirits are released in this society. Greater is he that's in us. Greater is he I want you to understand there's going to be revival there's going to be a soul saved there are going to be people healed there's going to be deliverance regardless of what the devil tried sometimes I think we feel the pressure And we feel the impact of the enemy increasing his attack. And if we're not careful, it makes us feel like we're off track. And it makes us feel like, I'm not sure this is what I was called to do. I'm not sure if I should have been here. I don't know if I should have ever tried to start a church. I don't even know if God was, I don't even remember, I I'm, I haven't felt, I'm not sure God ever wanted me to go to the promised land. I'm not sure God was ever interested in us having revival. I don't, maybe somebody else, somewhere else, but not us. And yet I want you to understand when you begin to feel that enemy come in like a flood, that's the time you realize it must be that my victory is is closer than I've ever dreamed. I might be living just at the brink of the greatest outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I might be living at the greatest revival my community has ever had. That's not a time to give up. That's a time to push forward for the Lord has never lied and he's not going to start lying. So, so let's, let's look at the word of the Lord, I guess. That's just the easiest thing to do and kind of look. And I'm not going to preach about all seven of these oracles. There's, there's way too much, and I, I understand we're going to have fun and whatever. But, but I do want to turn to Numbers, the 22nd chapter, and look at the, the last verse there of Numbers 21, 22 and verse 41. And it came to pass on the morrow that Balak took Balaam and brought him up into the high places of Baal or Baal, Baal, that hence he might see the uttermost part of the people. Then if you go to the 23rd chapter, there would be no chapters I know in the Old Testament or in the New. We would just continue reading. And Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars and prepare prepare me seven oxen and seven rams. Interestingly, that they understood this seven, the number. The enemy knows more about some spiritual things than sometimes we give him credit for. He knows how to clothe himself as an angel of light. He knows how to even quote the Bible. Hath not God said... You're not going to hurt your foot if you fall. Huh? Devil can turn the Bible on you if you're not careful. Anyway, that's a whole nother sermon, another time. And Balak did as Balaam had spoken, and Balak and Balaam offered on every altar a bullock and a ram. Balaam said unto Balak, Stand by thy burnt offering, and I will go peradventure. The Lord will come to meet me, and whatsoever he showeth me, I will tell thee. And he went to a high place. So imagine, if you will, I'm 
Guess I'm in a high place. I'm out looking out over all the children of Israel. He's looking out over all of the, they're like the multitude. You can read in the 22nd chapter, they've been afraid of them. And they said they're almost like locusts. They're just everywhere. And God met Balaam and he said unto him, I've prepared seven altars and offered on every altar a bullock and a ram. And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Return unto Balak and thus thou shalt speak. So this is what God said behind Israel's back. Israel didn't even know Balaam was cursing them. The Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth, said, Return unto Balak, and thou shalt speak. Verse 6, And he returned unto him, and lo, he stood by his burnt sacrifices, he and all the princes of Moab, and he took up this parable. And said, Balak the king of Moab have brought me from Aram out of the mountains of the east saying, Come curse me, Jacob, and come defy Israel. Verse 8, here's what God says. How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob and the number of the fourth part of Israel? And then Balaam says, let me die the death of the righteous and let my last be like his. Unfortunately, he did not die the death of the righteous. You'll find that he died in Numbers 31st chapter, 31st chapter. And it was not like the death of the righteous. You've got to live like the righteous in order to die like the righteous. Just saying, I know. You all know that, but I mean. And Balak said unto Balaam, what have you done to me? I took thee to curse my enemies, and you have blessed them all together. And Balak said, and he answered and said, Must I not take heed to speak that which the Lord hath put in my mouth? In other words, what Balaam basically was saying was, You know what? If God hasn't cursed them, I can't curse them. I can't do, there's nothing I can do to stop them if God is for them. They're out of my league. You say, well, but you don't understand. City council has it in for me. They're trying to stop our church. If God doesn't want it stopped, There's not a city council. There's not a government edict. You say, but you don't know who's trying to stop me. What spirits are coming against me? What principalities, what powers are out there trying to... I want you to understand what God told Balaam was. Let me tell you something. These are my people and you can't touch my people unless I give you permission to touch my people. And you say, well, I'm not even sure I'm one of his people. Well, let me just tell you, God won't even let a devil inhabit a pig without his permission. You say, but I'm, I'm afraid. They've got all the power. They've got all the authority. No, as long as God's with me, God and I are a majority. I don't care who shall stand against me. God's on my side. In fact, when Balaam saw it, he said, I wish I could die like they die. You know why? Because they don't ever die. They just go from life to life more abundant, life everlasting. He said, there's no stopping them. 
whenever they're ready, I mean, there's nothing we can do. And so, notice, if you will, what, what happens next is that as you continue reading in, in Numbers, the 23rd chapter, he, uh, Balaam, of course, said, you know, what am I going to do? Uh, you're in verse 12. <clears throat> verse 13, Balak said, look, come I pray with me to another place. From whence you may see them, but thou shalt not see, but the uttermost part of them, thou shalt not see them all, and curse me them from thence. You see, Balak understood that when you look at the church in general, you can't stop the church. You understand? There's going to be a church. There's going to be alive and remain. Huh? You say, well, we're going to stop the gospel. We're going to build an iron curtain. We're going to build a... Well, it, you're not going to stop the church. The church is going forward. I'm glad I'm part of the church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. Amen? We all believe that. We know that. I'm glad I'm part of the church. The church is going on. You say, well, that young person went down. That one's got a problem. This one's got an issue. But the church is still going to survive. If I drop dead tomorrow, the church will go on. Church doesn't rise and fall in me. It rises and falls in God. So we all believe that. The church is powerful. But notice what Balak said was he said, now wait a minute. You're looking at all of them and you can't curse all of them. Go ahead, next verse. And so he brought him to the field of Zophim, Zophim to the top of Pisgah and built seven altars and offered a bullock and a ram on every altar and said unto Balak, Stand here by thy burnt offering while I meet the Lord yonder. And the Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth. So what you read when you read the, those two names, one means to cut apart or separate. Pisgah was the mount where the Lord showed Moses the promised land. So it means to peel back and to sort of not look at everybody. So while I know I can't curse the church at Antioch, I might be able to work on just this row here. You understand what I'm saying? I'll, I'll work on just this section. I'll, man, I'm going to wear them out. I'm not going to stop the entire church. I know. There are going to be people living for God, not, but you wait till I get you guys. That's basically what Balaam was doing, was separating it off, and I'm going to attack you, your finances, your family, your health. Not going to deal with everybody, but I'll get you. So here's the next place. Here's what he says, verse 17. And when he came to him, behold, he stood by his burnt offering and the princes of Moab with him. And Balak said unto him, what did the Lord say? He took up this parable and said, rise up, Balak, and hear and hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. God is not a man. God is not a liar. When he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. When he said, I'll make a way where there seems to be no way. When he said, I'll walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death and you'll fear no evil. 
I know that's talking about the church, but he was not a man. He's not, he's talking about me too. He's got, he is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? And hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? Every promise in the Bible is for me. It's for you. It's for your children. I don't care who it is. It's for every one of us. It's not just for the church. It's for me personally. He said, are you kidding me? I, 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 maybe he can curse one. No. I want to tell you something. The devil has no authority over not one. In fact, Jesus said, I've got him in my hand and nobody can take him out of my hand. They're mine. Let me go on here. I... Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I can't reverse it. I came at him wanting to curse him, and all I can do is bless him. The bigger they are, <laughs> the harder they fall. <laughs> I don't care if they get it in for you at school or they get it in for you at the job. If the Lord wants them to bless you, there's nothing. Oh, hallelujah. Then this verse blows my mind. Bishop Wright or Brother Libby, somebody's going to have to explain this one to me. Because he said, He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. Now I can tell you some perverseness in Israel. I can show you some iniquity. They had jokers that would rise up and attack the leadership. The earth swallowed them up. They mumbled and grumbled and griped about leeks and onions. They wanted quail. They were the hard-headedest, stinkingest. I'm beyond, I couldn't have pastored them. They had enough gumption to make Moses, the meekest man alive, mad. To where he struck the rock twice. But look at this verse. You know what Balaam was saying? God wasn't going to talk to him about their sins. Those are my kids. I'm not telling the devil what they've been doing wrong. I'll deal with them myself. As far as I, you go, you keep your hands off of them. Devil, you're not big enough to discipline my children. Those are my kids. Don't you worry about what you've done wrong and think that the Lord is trying to punish you. That's a lie from the pit. God does not need the devil to punish you for him. He'll take care of you all by himself. 
I've had people. T Next verse. God brought him out of Egypt. He has, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither any divination against Israel. According to this time, it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, what hath God wrought? What is it? I hear the sound of the shout of a king among them. I want you to understand there is no spirit that is able to destroy you without God is there to protect you and to keep his hand on you. I remember several years ago I was in France and my family and we were in the tubes and we were going somewhere in Paris and a lady came up speaking French. It's amazing they do that in France. It's like they have a whole different word for every word we say. I think it's called another language or something. She was rattling off something. She kind of looked homeless and so my dad, we were sitting on a bench, and my dad jumped up and said, Would you like to sit down? Oh, she shook her finger at him, said something in French. My dad said, What, what did I do? And so a Frenchman who spoke English turns to us and says, Don't pay any attention to her, she's crazy. She thought my dad said she was crazy. She turned around and I mean went through a two or three minute tirade. I guess everything that you could say bad in French. I was trying to write it down but I couldn't keep up with it. She walked off. And when she left, the Frenchman told us, he says, you don't believe in spirits, do you? I said, yeah, sort of. <laughs> he said, well, she just put a curse on you that you're never going to leave this tube or whatever, the underground tram, alive. I said, oh. He said, well, you're not afraid, are you? I said, no, not a bit. He said, well, I thought you said you believe in spirits. He said, I said, I do, but I just don't believe that her spirit has any power. I don't know, how many years ago was that? A long time ago, and, and guess what? I made it out of the underground. And I'm here in Antioch. What are you saying? There is nothing, there is no enchantment. I don't care what voodoo hex, what doll somebody get. I don't care what they try to say over you. Greater is he that is in me. There is not even any competition. I understand, I, I understand there can be battle, not, you know, flesh and blood, but spirits. But there is no spirit that is greater than the Holy Spirit. If you're fighting the spirit of depression tonight, grab hold of the Holy Spirit. If you're fighting a spirit of fear, grab hold of the Holy Spirit. If you're fighting a spirit, of, I don't care what it is, get a hold of the Holy Spirit. There is no divination. There is no enchantment that is greater than the presence and power of Almighty God. Go ahead. One more, one more verse here. I may go more. And he said, Behold, the people shall rise up as a great lion and lift himself up as a young lion. 
shall not lie down until he eat of the prey and drink of the blood of the slain. Oh, if we only could realize who we are and see ourselves like the enemy sees us, we are a great lion. Sometimes we need to shake ourselves. The devil's job is to discourage us, to beat us up, to try to make us feel like we're on our last leg. It's time to come into the house of the Lord and say the shout of a king. I'm going to shout even though I don't feel like shouting. I'm going to praise even though I... Why? Because I know who holds my hand. I know who holds tomorrow. I know in whom I believe. I'll just do one more. I'll do number three. Verse 25. And Balak said unto Balaam, Look, just don't do, just shut up. It's obvious you're not cursing them. Balaam said, I don't know what, I, I, you know, I'm just trying to speak what the Lord said. So Balak said unto Balaam, verse 27, Come, I pray thee, into another place. Peradventure will please God that thou mayest curse them from thence. Now Balak brought Balaam unto the top of Peor that looks toward Jeshimon. Now, I know many of you are Bible scholars. You're here on Wednesday night and you know the Bible and you know that Peor is a very significant place in the Old Testament in that it is a place of tremendous sin. In fact, it's even given a distinction in Psalms, it's given a distinction in the prophets as being when they sinned at Peor. It was a place of probably one of the greatest failures that happened right after this that Israel was going to experience. It was a place of, of compromise with the Moabitish women and all of those things. And so now... Balak, almost under the inspiration of the enemy, brings them to this place of failure and says, you can surely curse them where they're going to fail. You couldn't curse them all. I understand that. You can't stop the church. You couldn't just stop that little group over there. But where they fail, you can curse them. Surely. Go ahead. Build here seven altars and seven bullocks. Go on. It's going to go into the next chapter. Balak did what he said. Chapter 24. When Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he went not as at other time to sink for enchantments, but set his face toward the wilderness. Balaam lifted up his eyes saw Israel abiding in tents according to the tribes, and the Spirit of God came upon him. And he took up this parable. said, Balaam the son of Beor hath said that man whose eyes are open hath said. He hath said which heard the words of God, which saw the vision of the Almighty, falling into a trance, but having his eyes open. How goodly are thy tents. O Jacob, and thy tabernacles, O Israel. As the valleys are they spread forth, as gardens by the river's side, as the trees of lean aloes which the Lord hath planted, and as cedar trees beside the waters. He shall pour the water out of his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters. And his king shall be higher than Agag. And his kingdom shall be exalted. God brought him forth out of Egypt. He has as it were the strength of a unicorn. He shall eat up the nations of his enemies. And shall break their bones. And pierce them through with his arrows. He couched. He lay down as a lion. And as a great lion, who shall stir him up? 
Blessed is he that blesseth thee, and cursed is he that curseth thee. What he said is, he's like a tree planted by the water. The righteous man may fall seven times. But if you shake yourself like a lion, I got my roots into something a long time ago. There's a water flowing through here. I'm not letting go. I know I'm at the worst place in my life. But devil, you can't stop me if I could somehow get back up. Get myself to the house of the Lord. There's a shout that I feel welling up inside the church. <laughs> you, gotta, you can't stop me. Blessed is he that blesses me. Cursed be he that curses me. I want to tell you, God is on our side. He's never been defeated. He's not going to let you be defeated. It's time to stand up. It's time to shake yourself. It's time to say, the Lord is with us. God is fighting for us. Hallelujah. God is on our side. We have overcome. Yes, we have overcome. We will not be shaken. Hallelujah. We will not be moved. Jesus, you are here. Carrying our burdens. Carrying our shame. We have overcome. Yes, we have overcome. We will not be shaken. you are
Lord, you are.